welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I am joined by actress, writer, and singer, and co-founder of Burn Bright, Tori Allen Martin. Hey, hi, <laughs> hi. I, I, I led you in there with such enthusiasm, and then you're just like, "Hey, what, chill. I mean, I do, what am I going to do? Cheer for myself?" Like, yes, but all, <laughs> always. Sorry. Um, so, welcome to the Divorce Club. Thanks for having me. You're you're so welcome. Now, normally, I start off by saying you are divorced how does that feel but we're gonna have a bit of a different chat today because you're not divorced are you no do you want to tell me what happened I was near I was to be wed I had been proposed to uh in my favorite place in front of my dead grandparents plaque with my best friends and my mum around the corner to celebrate and then a month later he the day after I bought the wedding dress it was all booked he decided he'd changed his whole mind and he'd cheated on me with someone that he worked with. (laughs) And I can track it back to, I think, six days before he even proposed. He left his email logged in and I saw that he'd been at hers all night. So, yeah, so I thought I was to be wed, but I am not. And my wedding was supposed to be December 22nd. But, I mean, it was doomed from the off, wasn't it? It was 2020. Like, I, I, I find that kind of poignant now. I'm like, oh, it was always doomed. It was always going to be a nightmare. Like, it was never going to happen. Maybe the pandemic saved you. Perhaps. From perhaps. this nightmare. Exactly. Um, so, what? because we've never talked about this so far on the podcast, and I think it's really important to, like, look at 
because divorce isn't just my experience of divorce and breakups on, you know, there's so many different types. And I think it's so interesting to talk about getting married and then breaking up, but also being about to get married and breaking up because there's all that future planning and then it goes. So, So how did it feel when he proposed you said it was in your favorite places all your family around you was that a happy moment for you it's weird you know because it was obviously like in that moment you know it was beautiful and it was amazing but he was terrible at secrets so I had a hunch because he was just behaving a bit weirdly and it was almost predictable you know like it was so obvious I'd had a really difficult year and then we were going to my favorite place and he kept like harassing me to book it and the boy never planned a thing so I was kind of like why do you suddenly care so much and then I was like oh and then we'd had this sort of Christmas party with all my friends and he kept running off into corners with them and whispering so I had a kind of hunch which I do think spoiled it a little bit because I was like oh is he gonna propose when we're away <laughs> so I think when it's in the back of your mind you're never fully you know, like, wow, I didn't see this coming. Um, but yeah, obviously at the time it felt amazing and it was the surest yes I'd ever uttered. And, you know, I was really sure that I did want to spend my life with this person. I loved him so deeply. But when I look back at it, there was so much wrong with it. And actually, like, I I paid for half of it and he never kind of, I remember one night when we were there, we'd gone away for like five days and one night I, I wanted to just have a drink and fun and he he wouldn't have a drink with me and he was just sort of watching like sport and I, I went to bed on my own in a huff. And then I ended up apologizing like, oh, I'm sorry. I, But actually, if this was leading up to the engagement, we should have been having a drink and having fun together and enjoying every minute. But it, he had made me feel really silly looking back. It was, I, I think I should have felt, I think I felt anxious the whole trip and it's not right. I should have felt looked after and I, I didn't. So was this a trip after your engagement to kind of celebrate? No, so he did it on the trip. So we'd planned, I'd been on tour, I'd done two acting jobs back to back. And then I got back and we were going to go to Southall, my favourite place, and just relax. And he did it uh, on the second to last day, penultimate day of that trip. You said at the beginning, six days before you saw, before he proposed, you saw in his email that he'd been at another girl's house. Well, I saw that afterwards. So after we'd broken up, he'd left his email logged in. Um, But yeah, I didn't know at the time. If I'd have known at the time, he'd have been out on his ass. But um, yeah, I found out afterwards. And we'd had this big altercation six days before where I actually nearly left him because he'd been out all night and basically like didn't come home. And I was fully not tolerating that behavior, <laughs> obviously. Told my best friend, told my mom, I was like, I don't think I want to go on the trip. I, I don't think I can be with someone who is behaving like this. He's not 19. Like, what is he doing? I was just worried about it. I don't care if you want to go out all night, but just call me and let me know you're alive. It was just that sort of disrespect. Um, but they obviously, knowing what they knew that he was about to propose, they talked me down off the ledge because they were like, in their heads, didn't think it was acceptable, but they were thinking, oh, he's had cold feet. He's acting up. He's a bit, you know, he'll come back around. He's proposing, but she's got the wrong end of the stick. And he was somebody, he can fall asleep like that. So he told me they were back someone's house and he'd fallen asleep. And even to my mum and my friends, they were like, he does do that tour. So everyone had bigged him up and talked me off the ledge. <laughs> but I guess, again, I probably knew somewhere. I just, I was like, you, it's not all right. Um, and then when I found he'd left his email logged in, I I did, I searched back to that date. And I was like, let me check, because it all his Uber receipts were there. 
And um, that's how I found out that he'd been at her house. So when he had that email logged in, what stage were you at? Had you broken up? Had he yeah. said, yeah, so you you were getting married, you were planning everything, mm-hmm. you bought your dress, mm-hmm. and did you have the whole, like, did you go at, like with friends to try all the dresses on? I just took my mum, because I've got quite a lot of body issues and stuff, and I was like, I don't want to overwhelm myself. So me and my mum went to two shops, um, my mum and I went to two shops, better English. And um, I, it was the second shop. I never expected to find it there. And I found it and I cried. You know, I had the little moment, sent it to my, all my bridesmaids and his sisters were going to be my bridesmaids. So I sent it to them, sent it to his mum. Everyone was in on it. And two of his best mates had come from where they live. Don't want to say too much <laughs> that night. So I'd showed it to them. Yeah, it was all like everyone was, you know, on board got my little pouch Katie Loxton pouch as a gift from the from the bridal people you know it was all um it was all legit so you bought the wedding dress did you had you got it in your house yet or had you just paid for it and there was going to be fittings not yeah 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 done, done the pay for it and they were going to order it in you know in my rough size before the fitting and two weeks before that we'd been uh we were getting married near to his parents house um and we'd been there with them and booked it all, put the deposit down. Because we were getting married, like, basically a year after the date he proposed. So we had to move pretty quickly. But we'd spoken about our wedding so much. We'd always, the minute we got together, we were kind of like, this is forever. And so we knew what we wanted. So the planning was like, bish, bash, bosh, got it done. So pretty much, like, all the key stuff was done. We were at the, like, allocating bedrooms point with people um, for the venue. So, yeah, it was proper... So the venue was booked, you had your wedding dress, he proposed with a ring, so were you wearing the engagement ring? ring? Yeah. Did you buy the wedding bands? Not yet. We'd had a little look, a tentative look, but we didn't have the bands yet. But we'd, yeah, been to a few shops to look at that. Wow. So at that stage when he said that he didn't want to get married anymore, Mm. what was that moment like for you? Was it like physically how did it manifest I mean the whole thing was a disaster it was all really complicated so what had happened was um during that week I'd said to him this this is a month after he proposed like literally like to the day and I'd said I just don't really feel like a priority and that you can't just propose to me and then be like oh she's sorted and put me at the back of the list so he was getting up mad early, going to the gym, then going to work, then doing tutoring. Then he'd started this, like, he'd started an extracurricular sort of thing. <laughs> so he was running off to do that. And then um, I remember when his friends were coming, I'd had to cancel my plans to sort everything out. He'd not reminded me that they were coming. He'd, like, half planned it ages ago. Barely told me and was then like, oh, they're coming. I might not be home. So I'm the one sort of cancelling my plans. Like, oh, God, going around blitzing the house. And I was a bit like, why Why do I care more about your friends than you do? Like, you should care. And then I remember he came in and they were there and he he was like probably 45 minutes late and they don't live around here so they couldn't stay for long. And then he, um, he started making like a protein shake or something while they were here. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Be, be polite to your friends. I, no, I need to eat. I need to be fueled and all this stuff. I was thinking, who is this guy? And I was like, you're being, you're being really selfish. Like, your friends are here for about an hour. Barely talked to him. Then he's rushing out. Anyway, then he comes back. I was like, I don't feel like a priority. I feel you were a little bit rude and self-centered earlier. What's going on? Like, I feel disconnected from you. 
And then the next night I was going to see a gig with my friend and he was moaning, bleating about the gym and saying, I need it for my mental health. I was like, I have no qualms. You do you, babe. And I said, but for instance, I'm out tomorrow night. Why don't you go for like three hours then? And then we can at least have Saturday morning together and hang out. Um, That was too much. So he goes out with his workmates, the workmates, um, (laughs) while I'm at this gig. He swears blind he'll be home by 10 before me. And then I get home and he doesn't rock up until gone three. And I've had no word. And this has started to happen more often. And obviously after the catastrophic event before he proposed, I was like, this can't happen again. And I'm not a child. You don't ask someone to marry you and then just disappear off into the night so so that I'm worried about you. And he just shut down. He used to be someone, he used to barely do anything wrong. Then when he did, he would do everything in his power to make it up to me. He'd cry and he'd be all like, I can't lose you. Well, it was like I was a, a devil and I was so wrong to even criticize him for a second because while we were having this conversation, he then he'd gone off to work and he'd um, completely silent, like complete silent treatment. Hadn't heard what I was having a panic sack. I was panicking. And then I went to my best friend's house to get some space and he just shut down. I didn't hear from him all day. It was like nothing, no fight didn't care, did not try and fix it. And then she ended up calling him at about four in the morning and was like, Tor's beside herself, like, what, what is going on? And he ended up coming around and he was just dead. He had like no emotion. I remember I was on the floor sobbing, begging. I was like, why are you doing this? And he said, I don't know, I, something's changed. I don't know that I want this. And I was like, but why did you propose? Like, we've just got the dress. What are you doing? What, how's it changed? Like, it's been, honestly, I've never begged in my life. And I was there on the actual floor begging him. And then I said, look, just put me out of my misery. If you don't, if you don't want it, please just, but don't watch me break on the floor. Like, it's embarrassing enough. Then after about two hours of that, he changed his mind and was like, oh no, no, we can work on it. And then basically kept me hanging for a week. And that's kind of what happened. And then eventually I caught him in a lie. So sort of four or five days into that week where he's honestly just leaving me hanging, changing his mind daily. I went out to let him have space in the house. I'd cleaned the whole house top to toe. And then I found out we'd got a housemate actually at that point, which is a blessing because she messaged me and said, oh, I hope everything's okay. Just to let you know, he hasn't come home. Like, I hope he's all right. So I'd called, he doesn't have many friends but he has like one friend in London who he'd been with the the night before. So I'd said I'd called that friend, honestly, not to catch him out, just because I was genuinely worried about his mental state, about what he was going through, what he was feeling. So I called this friend. I was like, are you you with him? This friend's like, no. Kept checking in with me back and forward. Heard nothing. Another sleepless night. And also he never introduced me to his workmates. Ever. And I always asked and I always asked. And he was just like, and they're boring. Like, you, you don't you don't need to meet them. Um, yeah, these are the people he started to go out with all of a sudden. And they're his very best friends. And I still haven't met them. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't even call. I can't even call anyone from his work and find out if he's all right. And I'm honestly thinking he's driven off a bridge by this point because his behavior was so out of character. I thought this is he's done something stupid. And that was my only concern. My heart's pounding. I'm just about to call his work and be like, can you let me know if he comes in today? When he caught messages like, oh, my, my battery died. As if I'm 12, I'm going to fall for that. Uh, so um, yeah, I'll call you later. I was like, no, no, you need to call me now. And I thought this is my one shot. And honestly, at this point, it sounds 
it sounds like I'm dumb because I'm only telling you sort of the like snapshots. But honestly, on a day to day level, this man acted as if he adored me. Like to the outside world, we were couple goals. We used to have strangers come up to us and say couple goals and we'd be on holiday and people come up to us and be like, I've been watching you all day. You're so cute. Like everyone fell for it. But I thought this is my one shot. I have a dodgy feeling about this. So I need I need to know. So I call him and I, I kind of set it up a bit <laughs> and I was like, hey, so how was your night? You know, did you have a good night? I just kept it really calm. I didn't go straight in hard. And then he was like, yeah, yeah, no, my night was good. I was like, oh, what did you do? And I heard him think about it for a sec. And he was like, uh, he was like, oh, uh, oh, I stayed at this friend's house. And I was like, oh, right. The friend that I had spoken to. I said, all right, why did you do that? Because I obviously stayed out so you could have the house to yourself. He was like, oh, I just, you know, just needed some space. And I was like, but from what? Because I wasn't there. He's like, oh, you know, and I, I repeated the friend. I was like, you stayed it. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, no you didn't. Yeah, I did. I was like, Kate, please stop lying to me. I know that you didn't stay there. Where were you? I'm not lying. The man, barefaced, like 12 times told me he had 100% been at this friend's house. And I knew 100% that he hadn't, but I was honestly starting to think, am I... Am I mad? Am I wrong? Um, and then eventually went, okay, I went out with someone from work, but I didn't tell you because you always have a problem. And I, I, I heard it then. I was like, no, 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 don't, that's not true. Don't twist this narrative. I do not have a problem with anyone from your work. How could I? I've never even met them. <laughs> They're strangers to me. What I have a problem with is how disrespectfully you behave to me when you go out with these people that you've never even bothered to introduce your fiancé to. That's, that's what I have a problem with. Let's not get it twisted. And then I said, we really, like, I've had enough of sitting on the fence with this. We need to have a conversation tonight and I need to know. And then he came home that night and told me he changed and he didn't want his life anymore. And I said, what, a month after you proposed? Yep. I said, well, didn't you know you changed? No, I I just don't want this. And then it was going round in circles for about an hour. So at that moment, I, I just knew, I thought I could do this for the next year. I felt like this could this could be it until the wedding. He wasn't going to leave. Um, and at th- so at that moment, I was like, I can't do this. And I went upstairs and I called my mum and I was like, it's done and you need to come now. And then I came downstairs. He was just sat there. He didn't go for a good like 20 minutes to the level that my mum was like outside the house. Like, I want to turn around because I don't think I can face him right now, understandably. So I had to be like, can you please go? Because mum's outside and she's really upset. And he just looked at me and was like, well shrugging at me and I said can you leave the car because he was driving my mum's car around uh and he said well what what am I supposed to do and I was like okay cool take the car take the car then so he drove off into my mum's car and two days later was our engagement party which obviously my best mate had to call and cancel and everything and I found out from the emails that on that night two days later he was with her and had ordered ham and pineapple pizza (laughs) at her house on what should have been our engagement party (laughs) So that's how the breakup, I know it's a really long story, but that's how, that was the breakup. That was my breakup. Wow. Yeah. And you're so, obviously you're like laughing about it now, but like, oh my God, that's a lot for someone to go through. 
in such a recent it was horrific but honestly for me obviously you know when I tell it like this and I'm just telling you the bad bits and whatever it sounds like I'm stupid or like I was kidding myself it doesn't at all uh, but I think we always feel yeah but we always yeah, feel hindsight. stupid yeah you always look back and go like especially with divorce like you got out before you got married I sometimes look back and I'm like why did I get married and then yeah and then it didn't work out like was I stupid should I have seen that it wasn't going to work out before do you know what I mean so we all feel like that I think yeah and when we're in the thick of it it is so hard to see it isn't it and obviously you never go into any of this stuff thinking it's going to fall apart do you so you do and I think especially I guess that's what obviously you know you got further than me and you did marry him but I think that's really what I learned about being with him was because from the off we were very much like this is forever we you know we want we want this to be forever you're my person I think you do excuse more because you think well if I'm going to marry this person and be with him forever this is a bad patch this is a blip so we'll work through this and we'll get and I honestly I think the biggest lesson for me is that I'm never going to love like that again I'm going to love in the moment because I excused so much because of this idea of forever so when you're actually married to that person or you're like nearly at that point of course you excuse stuff because in the grand scheme of forever you think most things you know you can excuse don't you but I don't I don't know how healthy that is but and also actually when you excuse stuff and then you're stuck with all that stuff forever it becomes those once tiny things become bigger and bigger and you're like how did I ever excuse this because yeah. it's the most <laughs> annoying thing about him yeah yeah so do you are you glad now that you're single and that you didn't marry him? Oh my God, yeah. It's like the biggest, lucky escape ever. I feel like I've got another shot at life. And I came off my antidepressants. I realised like really soon after he left, I was like, I, I feel numb. Because I think the antidepressants were helping me silence a load of issues that were to do with him and, and my lack of self-worth being with him. And then when he was gone, I was like, oh, I just, just feel a bit numb now. And I'm, I don't. I don't think I need these. And I came off, I've not had a panic attack since he left. I've not had anxiety attacks since he left. My health's better. I used to get sick a lot with him because I don't have a gallbladder and I'm very like, if I'm chewed up, I'll be sick. You know, I'm just that sort of person. Been like since I was a kid, none of it. I have anxiety as well. And it, it did, I didn't realise because we, so with my breakup, we both sat down and like talked about it and then both decided yeah. to break up. Like uh, normal civil people. <laughs> well, not, for, in not that moment situation. we were. <laughs> um, but, but I have anxiety and I didn't realise how much I was at, so anxious about the relationship until it ended. Yeah. Because yeah. I was definitely having... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I remember coming home from work one day on the train and knowing that my house was empty because only I was living there now. And so I didn't have to deal with like, you know, difficult marriage not working scenarios. Mm. And I realized that I would feel anxious on my way home when we were yeah. together because obviously it wasn't going well. And it, it was so strange noticing that because I would never mm. have said to you that that's how I felt when I was in it. No, you don't know at the time. And I think you, you just blame you. And I definitely did that. And it sounds like you did to an extent. You just take it on. Yeah. And then you're the problem. But actually the minute they go, you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, I, I think it's been so interesting, the kind of journey post my separation my divorce journey of me mm. being like I'm actually quite cool and like nice yeah. and like a caring person and I never would really have said nice. that before because I think you know sometimes obviously when you're married or in a long-term relationship and you're going to get married that person knows you the best and yeah. so in an argument they know the best way to get mm. at you and so mm. you know if they tell you things that they know is the best way to get at you you start yeah. believing them because you're like well they know me and they see me yeah. all the time and and I think the journey after that can be really hard but also amazing when you start actually realizing things about yourself so it sounds like you have been through an incredibly tough year we've had a lovely time oh my gosh <laughs> have you had coronavirus as well just to top it I off think I, I think I did but mine was mild so it's fine Phew. it's fine um, yeah okay so obviously all of this stuff happened you had the breakup what did you like practically what did you do about like the dress because I always ask people when they got divorced what they do about like the wedding dress yeah. and the engagement ring what did you what do did about you do with yours so I have nothing basically I have my <laughs> wedding dress in a plastic sort of cover in the bottom Ooh. of my wardrobe because I still don't know what to do with it I sort of want to sell it but then I weirdly 
kind of don't want someone else to wear my dress. I don't know why. Um, you don't have to know why. It's just how you feel. Yeah, but I'm I'm quite, there's a service. It sounds quite morbid. I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but there's a service where they take like your lacy dress and they cut it up and make tiny clothes for premature babies who've died and then they get buried oh, in. And I quite, oh, stop it. I feel like if I was going to do something like that, I'd do that. I'd donate yeah. it to that. I think if you do, that is the one. That's the thing to do. And then with my engagement, I've sold my wedding band. This is Mm -hmm. exclusive information in this podcast. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Made made some cash, cash money. Not loads, actually. Reselling it, you don't get that much. I've still got the engagement ring. I'm not sure. There was talk on Twitter of doing a ring swap where okay basically yeah I don't know how I'd organize someone contacted me because they were like Sam you host the divorce club I feel like you should sort this out for us you're our leader (laughs) um some sort of like engagement ring swap where we like upload photos of the rings onto something and then we can like the value and then you can swap it yeah do it some sort of what have you do you still have your engagement ring do you want to be involved no. in the ring swap <laughs> um well I gave it back because I'm him. a lovely decent person yeah I gave it back to him um and the dress is still in the shop and we need to collect it in December and then my mum will probably keep it in our house I feel weird about it because the thing is I love the dress and I haven't worn it yet and it was an experience with my mum that was lovely so it's not the dress's fault you know I don't want to live in this world where I'm like oh the dress is a bad omen it literally has nothing to do with the dress whatsoever so I kind of want it we were going to lose money whatever so we were like we might as well just get it you know even if we cancelled it my mum's lost like half of it because she can't bought it for me, my poor mum. So we said, let's just get it. So I'm I'm toying with that. But then I also wrote this one woman show and I'm thinking about doing a part two where I like come out in the dress. And I'm like, because it's all about rejection. I thought I might come out and be like, guys, I did it <laughs> in the dress. And then I'm like, yeah. And then <laughs> it's tax deductible. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even think of that. So you are I'm welcome. Like, Thank you so much. <laughs> I also thought about dyeing it and wearing it to a premiere. I think there's so many options, but ultimately I love the dress and I will not let a man who's let all of this candy go <laughs> make me feel crap about the dress. I I'm love gonna that, own that it, dress. It's not the dress's fault because that's the thing. Yeah. I I love my dress. Like I looked exactly. banging in it, but yeah. because mine is lace, you can't dye it. Otherwise I would right. totally dye it and wear it dye again. It. Yeah, but it doesn't work. So, and then, what, how did you deal okay. with the venue booking? So that was the other thing. So he didn't call anyone. So you had to sort it. So, so I had to do it. Wow. Yeah. So although he was the one that you know left me, um, I had to call call them, and yeah, I had to cancel everything. Um. So that was awkward. How, and how did that conversation go? Well, I did it over email because I was just like, I can't, I'll just cry. And the wedding planner, the venue give you a wedding planner. And she was honestly so nice. And the venue was perfect. I was so, I'm, I'm actually, now I'm more upset about that. I'm just like, I wish we could have that big party in that lovely place. Never mind about the groom. I'm sad about the venue, but it's near where his parents live. So it doesn't really make much sense for me to get married there. Um, if I ever do. Uh, 
but yeah, so I just emailed her and she was super nice about it. And then my mum just kind of took over. My mum was amazing. She kind of dealt with everything. And because um, I decided the best uh, decision for me in, in regards to communication with him was to go no contact. My mum kind of had to take all of that on, but he wasn't really wasn't really communicating with us much anyway and this this kept happening you know bills were coming out and stuff like that and we couldn't hear from him him. and so post breakup how has that been like how is your because obviously we've had lockdown and everything like how is your process of getting back to you and is there anything you found that's been really useful for you during that time I think you know the pandemic was like a blessing in disguise because as terrible I mean obviously it's not a blessing obviously it's an awful thing that so many people have lost people so I'm not saying it I'm not being selfish in that way obviously everyone would rather have not had the pandemic however it was forced time to sit in it I couldn't do my usual behaviors and you know skip off and go out every night of the week and snog fit boys and and push it down I had to (laughs) you should do that though because that's a really fun stage I mean, I re- that, that's where I'm at now, Sam. And I'm like, I can't do this last bit of healing until I can go out in the big bad world and snog fit men and remember how fun this is and learn that not everyone is out to ruin my life. Um, and that's why I'm getting really pissed off now. But in the beginning, it allowed me to, well, it forced me to really sit in it and face it. And I did lots of reading. I've been reading a lot about attachment theory. I think for me, it would have been too easy to just go, oh, he did this terrible thing to me and uh, and woe is me and I feel so sorry for myself. But I was like, that isn't going to stop me finding myself in a position like this again. So why did I allow any of the bad behaviours? Why did I end up in something codependent? You know, why, why was I available to fall so head over heels in love with a man like that? And how can I protect myself from that in the future? So for me, it's been a lot of like delving back, looking at attachment issues, finding out what I can do to protect myself from these types of people. And it's been really helpful. And I feel like in a better place than I've ever been. And I honestly feel, you know, it's not been fun sitting in it and facing it, (laughs) Um, but it stopped me from running from the pain. And so it's probably, I think the healing has happened quicker because I didn't, I couldn't do any avoidant behaviors. I just had to roll with it. Um, and yeah, doing the work and, and holding myself accountable where I can has made me more excited for the future. Obviously I'll have some trust issues and stuff. You know, you can't come out completely unscathed, but I'm like, oh, there are definite, there are definite things that I now identify as red flags. So I know if I met another person like that, I would get out sooner. I know what I'd do differently. I can pinpoint all of the moments that I should have left. So that feels really positive, actually. Um, that sounds really it's good. Not as bad as I as I thought. And he's now somebody sent me a picture of him and his and his new bit, and they went public during they went public in August. Um, went public so like they're famous um yeah he they shared pictures of each other and I had said the whole time I know who it is and I know her name because of the emails and he denied 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 and so actually seeing that in black and white as much as I knew I was like okay you've actually gone and 
put it out there now for the world to see. So as much as he tried to make out that I was crazy and I was making things up, I'm like, you know, for anyone on his side that's trying to believe that, I'm like, well, surely there's a little chink now that the the woman I said it was is the woman he's parading about. So in a way, although that was painful, that was one of the most helpful moments because I knew I wasn't crazy, but it was proof that I wasn't crazy. And it really felt like, oh, wow, you couldn't even wait till the would-be wedding date was passed. You had to like roll this out. Um, and actually, I, do, I, I owe you nothing. And you're, you're just every, you're everything I thought that you, that you were in the bad ways. <laughs> it was relief, I think. And it did feel like, oh, I can, I can actually move on now properly. Um, I think yeah. it's interesting what you said about doing all the reading, because I think that is really positive. But also, it does sound, the way you described it, does sound a little bit like you're taking the blame again of how did I get myself into this situation? How did I allow that to happen? Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I've not thought of it like that. My mum has said to me a couple of times, like, Tor, you don't always need to do the work. Um, you know, a lot of people don't hold themselves accountable for anything. Uh, so, yeah, I think I am guilty of that. I think it's just how I'm wired. But I think... I think because I can't do this next bit yet of meeting new people... I feel like all I can work on is myself, you know, because the next bit's going to have to come with meeting somebody and navigating my way through that and not projecting stuff from the past onto him. And so, yeah, but then I also think you're right. I don't, I actually in the past couple of days, because I got another financial letter, I felt really angry again, but I, it's, it's like brought up all those bubble feelings of like anger and resentment again. And actually it made me think how, how often I don't really feel that I have managed to just push it down. Um, and I think that's been my survival instinct. But yeah, I, I, I could have given him a lot. I could have made it a lot harder for him than I have. And I could have. But you're in love. And when we're in yeah. love, we want to believe yeah. it's the hope thing and the love thing. And I think so many of us like blame ourselves for, you know, because you never want a relationship to go wrong. You never want a marriage to go wrong. No. And it's so, when something goes wrong, it's like you need a reason. Yeah. And sometimes it's just that, you know, two people weren't right for each other or that person was going through whatever they were going through and you got caught yeah. up in it and that's not your fault. No. I think it's hard when you never get the apology you deserve though isn't it yeah. I think that makes it really difficult so you have to find you know I don't, I don't think there really is such a thing as closure I think that's an excuse people use to long it out <laughs> you have to get closure from yourself but I think when you're never going to get that apology and as you say you know you did love that person you adored them you do, no one would want it to end bitterly would they you know I remember the one of the last things I said to him before he left I kind of pulled myself together and I was like I'm gonna be okay and you need to do what you need to do for you like please don't feel bad it's fine and that that was the part of me that loved him and that is where love selfless and I was like well you know for whatever reason this isn't right for him but this this you know I'll set him free but then when I get the blow afterwards that's when all the rage started to come and I think then it's annoying because how I ended the relationship I didn't have all the facts <laughs> do you know what I mean and then you're suddenly like oh, 
oh my God. Like, cause I really believed him. I remember going, have you cheated? You know, is there anyone else? And he was like, God, no, like best acting he's ever done in his life. And then I saw it in black and white on his email. So I think it's been confusing because, you know, by the time I realized all that, I was kind of into the no contact and I was like, I've just got to let this gotta let this go it's hard it's actually outrageous but I have to be the bigger person and I have to it's hard I think I think we're really similar in that we're like doers and you were like right I'm gonna read up so I know all the facts and this is never gonna happen again and I was like right I'm gonna start a podcast so I can learn (laughs) from other people about their experiences and it's like and those things are really useful that we're doing Mm. but also we do just need to feel our emotions and yeah and I think you're right it's really made me think what you said like I think yeah like sometimes you do I think just have to go that was really crap and I deserved better and I'm I'm worth more than that and I think that's a massive bit as well it's like your ego is bruised isn't it when this happens like we'd be lying if we said it wasn't and especially if infidelity is involved you know you're like oh okay you you chose her and it's painful and, it, and it's very it feels very exposing to say that. And I am sort of embarrassed about it. So I do sort of want to sweep that bit under the, under the rug, but I know it's not about me, you know, he, that he was going to do that. Whoever I was, it's got nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Um, but it's, you know, you can know that, but believing it is a very difficult thing. So yeah, I guess I do, as you say, I'm like, well, well I'm just going to learn because I have daddy issues. <laughs> but then that does kind of, yeah, blame me a little bit further. And actually I probably need to do more of the like, stop eating my feelings put on my big heels stomp about and snog a boy but a pandemic sadly has halted that process a little bit i know we need like deliveries of like of men of a date but then also you want to <laughs> snog them but we can't because the exchange of saliva spreads the exactly. virus it's very difficult to be in a it's breakup awful. scenario right now it's a rubbish, rubbish timing they could have at least ended it with us at a different time like that do you know what i mean <laughs> fair, well you had a sit down this is your fault as much as it is here's to be fair but mine could have at least timed it better yeah you know? well I mine's over two years now so I did have a lovely sexual phase you had a little phase yeah I haven't had that yet I had a couple of sort of <clears throat> you know socially distancey dates and stuff in the summer when it had relaxed a bit more it's quite nice so I was like okay I'm not a complete ogre like I can still nick a couple of couple of fitties <laughs> <laughs> but then that's got halted and uh I'm really excited for um, that phase. I'm really ready for that phase. Yeah, you're going to be, the suspense is going to be unbelievable. I know. When you're out. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's amazing. <laughs> so is there, a, is there a time or a moment where you thought, I'm going to be okay. This is good. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple, like a few times, actually. I've been really overwhelmed with how many times I've just felt good. <laughs> which I think shows me that my relationship wasn't right because actually really quickly I was like, Oh, I feel, I feel better. Um, but there was this one really, like I can remember the way it felt and it was in the summer when things were relaxed a bit and I'd been on a date the night before. And to be fair, I kind of knew this guy wasn't for me. Uh, but we had a nice time. He's a really nice guy. And I think it reminded me, I was like, oh, I'm back in the game. Like I can do this. It's not awkward. And people find me attractive and yay. And then I was on a train to South Sea near Portsmouth, where I love. I think I want to move there one day. Um, and I was going to meet my friend and we were just going to have a lovely little weekend 
And I was sat on this train and I just felt so hopeful. It was just like overwhelming hope. (laughs) And I honestly just felt I've got a second chance. And then when I was sat on that train feeling so hopeful and feeling like I had everything ahead of me and everything to play for, when ultimately I thought I was going to get married and I'm 34 and, you know, it would have been so easy to be like, oh, I've got to start again. And I was the other way. I was like, oh, my God, I could have missed out. I could have been somebody's wife sat at home letting me letting him mistreat me, running out following basic bitches to make his ego feel better, you know, crying of a night when actually I can just stare at the sea and I've got like forever in front of me there's so many boys and all my friends and my career and no one can stop me. And I, I felt amazing. And I wrote like an Instagram post just like, guys, I've just got there. And if you're going through it, there's hope on the other side. Keep going. You can get there. And I had so many nice messages actually from people in the thick of it. And like, uh, you know, like an old, a guy I'd, I mean, we hooked up a couple of times back in the day, but he'd got married and it looked amazing. And he reached out to be like, I'm going through it. And I was like, what? You know, and you're so sh- I never saw that because we don't. Social media looks perfect, doesn't it? And he was like, I'm really looking forward to that moment. And it, and then we've checked in a few times with each other, which has been really nice. And like your divorce club. And I think when we, when I met you and it was like, oh, I've been divorced. And I'm like, oh, I was going to be right. And then, it, I don't know, this whole world opens up and you realise actually, I do feel like we get a second shot because we, you can't know what you don't know, you know? And now we we know all of these things and we have all this experience and all of this trauma and yeah, loads of it's difficult, but it teaches you so much about yourself and so much about what you do and don't want and how society makes us think, you know, get married, do that, this is the answer. And then you you do it and it doesn't make you happy and it doesn't, there's no white picket fence. It's not, it's not what we're sold. And I think it makes you question everything, but then ultimately you can come out of that in a really good place and go, actually it's all for the taking and there's no wrong or right way. And I'm a lover and I loved hard and it didn't work out, but there's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's just hope. It's just bags of hope. So that, that was my moment. And I do get flashes of that. I'll be like out having a walk and I just cry because I'm like I'm free I can start again and no one can make me feel like crap for loving them that's so nice I think that's the perfect place to finish oh good sorry I do wang on sorry no I love it it. so um (laughs) where can people find you and follow you online and things uh so my name uh Tori Alan Martin with no hyphen I spell my name with a hyphen but not on my social media so it's A-L-E-N Toriana Martin. Yeah, I'm that on Twitter. I'm that on Instagram. And your company? Um, my company is Burn Bright, and that's we underscore Burn Bright uh, on socials. And that's a platform for women and women identifying writers, uh, aiming to level the playing field for, for them. And we offer like time bank sessions where you can check in with industry professionals who will give their time for free. And we do connect events where we've got one coming up for like writers in telly. And yeah, it's just about, and it's about connecting people and because writing can be such a lonely process can't it so it's just having a safe space to kind of sound off and uh feel feel lifted up nice nice little bit of sisterhood you know I like that it's like the divorce club for female identifying writers yeah basically that (laughs) amazing well thank you so much that's been great thank you Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please.
Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.